You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Well, we have reached week 18, the final week of the regular season, and when the season began, I really didn't think we'd be doing a whole lot more Eye on the Enemies, where we were going to be breaking down X's and O's with an opponent after this coming week, but... We are the Eagles in the playoffs after beating the Washington football team last week. And this Saturday night, they'll take on the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm going to talk to RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys in just a couple of minutes. And we will preview that game kind of, but it's it's more going to be a conversation about the road ahead because we really don't even know who's going to be suiting up for this game on Saturday night, whether either team will play their starters. There are really strong arguments to be made for both teams to play mostly backups and third stringers. So we could be looking at a glorified preseason game on Saturday night. And then, of course, uh, we'll be previewing a wildcard weekend next weekend here on Eye on the Enemy, something I certainly didn't think we would be doing. So to all of you listening to this podcast, and there were definitely some of you in the preseason who felt like this team could make the playoffs, that this was a better roster than anyone gave them credit for. It certainly didn't look that way in the first half when when the Eagles were really struggling. But of course, I think we look at that Las Vegas Raiders game as a turning point when the Eagles really turned their season around. And ever since then, now we've now we're talking about Nick Sirianni as a possible Coach of the Year candidate. Now we're talking about uh, Jalen Hurts as, uh, as the potential franchise quarterback. I mean, we're talking about a lot of different things, and we're talking about an Eagles team that has surprisingly made the postseason. So we're going to talk to RJ coming up here in just a couple of minutes. But before we get to RJ, I wrote something for BleedingGreenNation.com this week because I did feel like it is an incredible thing what the Eagles have managed to do during a rebuilding year. During a year in which they were mired in salary cap hell, how have they been able to make the postseason? What is it that they have done to get there? And and don't get me wrong, I think it's pretty obvious that offensively, the answers are pretty obvious. They changed their identity from a passing team to a run-heavy team, and, and that is that's blatant, right? I mean, and if you're if you've got half a brain and you watch this football team, you can see what they're doing on the ground. And the defense has had the good fortune of not having to play anybody good over this over these last two months. And they've played okay. I think the defense, some of the numbers that you see that are out there where they've only given up like nine, an average of eighteen or nineteen points this year, that that's all great. But they haven't played anybody in the in the second half of the season. I'll be very curious to see how this defense does, whether there has truly been a difference in what Jonathan Gannon is doing defensively as, as the coordinator or whether the competition has just gotten really bad here over the second half. But in the larger scheme of things, I think this stat that Jimmy Kemsky tweeted out really is eye-opening. Around 35% of the Eagles cap space this year was locked up in dead money. That is, players who are not on the team who still count toward the salary cap. 
the previous highs for teams making the playoffs were Dallas and Carolina in 2014, who both had around 20%. So more than a third of the Eagles cap space is being taken up by players who are not on the team anymore, but still count towards the cap. That includes, that includes Carson Wentz, who has a dead money cap hit of $33.8 million this year. How is this team in the playoffs while play, paying a quarterback $33.8 million who isn't even on the team anymore? Zach Ertz, who they traded to the Cardinals early in the season. The Eagles are taking on $7 million in dead cap money. Three other players, Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, Malik Jackson, a dead money cap hit of about $15 million between the three of them total. So if you do the math, if you round up Carson Wentz to $34 million and you add the $15 million, that's $29 million, and then another $7 million. I mean, no, that's not $29 million. What am I, 30, 34 plus 15 is $49 million. And then you add another $7 million on top of that. You're looking at around $55 million, $56 million. I'm, I'm trying to do the math quickly in my head, but you get the point here. That is, that is an insane amount of money to be paying to players, five players in particular, who are not contributing to this team, who are not even on this team. This is unprecedented, what this team is doing. And what they, the, the, the way they've managed to pull this off is they've been able to get a lot out of their draft picks from these last two years, as well as some scrap heap guys and a couple undrafted guys. First and foremost, they could not have pulled this off without a solid season from Jalen Hurts, who was their second round pick two years ago. And, and I lambasted the pick at the time. I still think it was I still think it was tactically process-wise the wrong thing to do after you've just given Carson Wentz all that money that definitely helped grease the skids for Carson Wentz's collapse. Who knows what Carson Wentz's season this year would have been like in Philadelphia if they'd not drafted Jalen Hurts or last year or what would have happened. It's a it's a multiverse question we'll never really have the answer to, but Howie Roseman did what he did and Jalen Hurts became just the seventh quarterback in NFL history to throw for over 3,000 yards and rush for over 750 yards in a season. He did that in this, his first full season in the NFL. He certainly is going to be the quarterback in 2022. I, I can't imagine the Eagles are going to use those three first-round picks to do anything funky with the quarterback position. Maybe they trade one of them for an extra first-round pick next year and give themselves another bite at the apple. But you're talking about a guy who has helped lead this team to the playoffs, who has accounted for over 3,000 yards in the air and over 750 yards on the ground. Again, just the seventh quarterback in NFL history to do that, and he accounts for a little over $1.3 million of cap space. That's how they're able to absorb Carson Wentz, by Jalen Hurts being a second-year, second-round draft pick, where all he's accounting for is $1.3 million of cap space. Look at some of the other 2021 draft picks. You've got first-round pick Devontae Smith. 38 yards away from breaking Deshaun Jackson's rookie receiving record. He's 125 yards away from a 1,000-yard season. Now, I don't think he's going to play much here in Week 18 against the Cowboys. I don't think he should. I think if they want to let him play for a quarter and try and get the 38 yards, maybe make him a, a big try a couple deep shots with him in the first quarter, I'm, I'm willing to let him try that and then get him the heck out of the game. But his impact on the offense has been huge. And yes, a first round pick, especially number 10 overall, that's going to make a little bit, he's going to make a little bit of money. But 
he he's not a huge cap hit. And getting production out of your first-round picks, as we've seen over these last couple years, is not a guarantee for this football team. Second-rounder Landon Dickerson is the starting left guard on perhaps the best offensive line in the league. He's been a huge addition. We haven't talked about him all that much. Third-round pick Milton Williams has really come on as of late, and he's been solid all season, starting to get more defensive snaps as the season goes along, both at tackle and defensive end. He's been very versatile. And then fifth-round selection, Kenny Gainwell, they, they've lost a little bit of confidence in him. He hasn't, he hasn't played as much in recent weeks, but he did give this team some key moments and some contributions along the way as well. A few of the 2021 picks have panned out as well. I think Jalen Rager certainly appears to be a bust. He's, he's given them a couple of moments over the last few weeks, but gave them nothing last week against Washington as a former first-round selection. So again, that pick really hurts. That pick definitely hurts, but Hurts has worked out better than expected as a second rounder. Third round pick Davion Taylor seems to be improving, or at least he seemed to be improving before his season ending injury. Fourth round pick Jack Driscoll, injury prone guy, but solid when he's out there. And sixth round pick Quez Watkins has emerged as the team's number two wideout. Now they obviously need to go out this offseason and get a veteran wide receiver to kind of take Quez Watkins spot as the number two. Calvin Ridley obviously would be the dream. And if you got to trade one of those first round picks for Calvin Ridley, you do that. You do that all day and you move Quez Watkins to the number three spot. And now you've got an offense that can really do some damage. Undrafted linebacker TJ Edwards transformed the defense when he was placed into the starting lineup. Jordan Howard has been productive. Boston Scott, once again, making big contributions at the running back position. The development of these draft picks and younger, inexpensive players is the main reason why the Eagles are going to the playoffs. And in the article for Bleeding Green Nation, I contrasted it to the Phillies, and it's exactly the reason why the Phillies have not been able to get to the playoffs. They've actually gotten a lot of mileage out of their big money players. They're not, they're not, they're not dumping a lot of dead money into into players. You can't really do that in baseball. There are different financial rules, at least as they were before the current collective bargaining agreement expired. But where the Phillies have really, really struggled developing their own homegrown young players, the Eagles and their coaching staff, and Jeff Stoutland in particular, has done a tremendous job. What they've done with Jordan Mailata, who signed a big deal, but Jordan, what they've done with Jordan Mailata is, is nothing short of a miracle. And then you get the regular contributions from future Hall of Famer Jason Kelsey and potential Hall of Famer Lane Johnson. You know, you've, you've got these guys who are doing it in the trenches. And finally, you know, Fletcher Cox and Javon, Javon Hargrave is at, are, are starting to play pretty well. They're starting to get some push up the middle. And, you know, guys like Josh Sweat. Josh Sweat, another young draft pick who signed a, who, who, who signed a contract. So, again, he, you're, not, you're not on the rookie deal with him right now, but he's also not breaking the bank, and you're getting some good production out of Josh Sweat suddenly here in the last month of the season. So this is what is driving the Eagles. They're, they're spending, again, 35% of their salary cap is being is is currently taken up by dead money. Teams that are doing that don't make the playoffs. Roseman has taken a lot of criticism for his recent draft bunglings. All of that is deserved. All of I mean the Eagles got themselves in this salary cap hell because of Howie Roseman. But give the guy credit, he had a good draft this time this last time out and some of the 2001 guys, Jalen Rager aside, are contributing. I mean, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside and Rager were huge mistakes, but he deserves credit for for fixing his own mistakes, or at least helping to mitigate his own mistakes and giving this team some depth. They have some depth, the depth that we didn't think was there. And now they've got... So you've made the playoffs in a rebuilding year 
while you're trapped in salary cap hell, you've somehow managed to make the playoffs. And now you have three first-round picks at your disposal this offseason. You're going to get out of this salary cap mess. You're going to get rid of. You're going to get a lot of that Carson Wentz money off of your books. And now you appear to have a solid coaching staff who's working behind the scenes with these players. And I think BLG mentioned this in an article this week. I think it was in his um, his his ups and downs and I don't knows. The training staff has taken a lot of heat over the last few years for how injury prone this Eagles team has been. They've done a very good job keeping players healthy this year. Maybe that's because they're relying so much more on some of these younger guys on some of their draft picks. But with the three first-round picks they have this offseason, there, there is a, a lot of reason to be optimistic that the front office maybe won't bungle those picks this April, like I think we had always worried they would be with Howie Roseman. One of the things is clear, Howie Roseman isn't going anywhere, especially given the success of this team this season. And, and you may think, if, if, you're, if you're one of those people who's upset that the Eagles have made the playoffs or that you're not really happy or satisfied about it, I don't understand it. The only way it makes sense is if you are, were desperate to get Howie Roseman out, and I think most of us were, this likely means he's not going anywhere. He did a good job putting together a playoff team, and the Jalen Hurts pick, he certainly for, seems for all the world like a guy who's at least going to be here in 2022, and there is a chance maybe they have found their franchise guy. But the development of young players, you know, college players, I think a lot of NFL coaches, they think that these college kids who are coming to their teams should be finished products by the time they get here. And with a guy like Devontae Smith, a lot of times those guys are. The first-round picks, they really shouldn't have to do a whole lot more development. But after that, these college kids need development. They need coaching. And if you can figure out a way to coach guys up like Jeff Stoutland has, and you know maybe that maybe Nick Sirianni's staff has been able to do that a little bit more, that's, that is an invaluable trait to have. You, if you have a coaching staff that can do that, and I think this is something Mike Tomlin talked about in a, in a news conference this week. He talked about how the coaches, it's their job to coach these guys up. You're, you're there to coach. You're there to make guys better. That's what the Eagles have done, and that's why they've been successful. That's why, with Jalen Hurts leading them, that's why this team is going to the postseason during a rebuilding year when this should have been a five- or a six-win team. They're, they're, gonna be in, they're a nine-win team and could win ten games based off whatever happens this Saturday night against the Dallas Cowboys. And speaking of that, we will preview the game a little bit and talk about the playoffs. We'll talk about what's going on in the in Dallas with the Cowboys and Cowboys fans right now. An unhappy group at the moment, it looks like. Even with a team with, a, with an 11-5 record and an NFC East title under their belt, these two teams will battle this weekend. And we're going to talk to RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys up next. All about it here on Eye on the Enemy. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Well, this Saturday night's game between the Eagles and Cowboys is going to feel a little bit weird. Uh, it's going to be a little bit uh, bizarre. It's one of the risks you run when you put uh, an Eagles-Cowboys game as the last game of the season. Uh, you run the risk that this game doesn't mean much for at least one of these teams. And now it's looking like it might not mean a whole lot for either of these teams. And, of course, the big question is how much are we going to see from the main players in this game on Saturday night? Joining me to break it all down is R.J. Ochoa from Blogging the Boys, the ubiquitous R.J. Ochoa. He's everywhere here on every Eagles podcast. It seems like everybody wants to get a piece of RJ. You hear him on the NFC East mixtape on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed as well. Follow him on Twitter at RJ Ochoa. RJ, thanks for coming back on Eye on the Enemy, buddy. How are you? John, I would be lying um, if I didn't acknowledge you as my favorite BGN radio person. You say that Um, every time. I fish for it. I love uh, it. And, um, you know, (laughs) Eye on the Enemy is is much cooler than than the mixtape. There's a little bit too much uh, camaraderie happening on the mixtape these days, sure, so sure, it's nice yeah. to be reminded that we hate each other and, and want yeah. each other to fail in certain capacities. Yeah, absolutely. I think it only helps. Iron sharpens iron, RJ. Right. You know what I mean? That's that's how that that's how that works. Um, I think I, I think what's interesting here is both of these teams. They seem to be trying to out COVID each other this week, RJ. Um, you know, the Eagles got the ball rolling by putting 12 players on their COVID list. Uh, what I think was kind of a tactical maneuver, to be perfectly honest with you. I don't think they were really planning to play their starters all that much and figured, let's get everybody tested now. We basically have two weeks before our next meaningful game. I, I think they're. I think the Eagles are, are kind of using a little bit of uh, gamesmanship here. I don't know that the same thing is going on with Dallas, but maybe it is with uh, Micah Parsons, Tyron Smith, and Anthony Brown all on the COVID list as we're recording this on Thursday afternoon. Just as you're kind of getting, uh, you know, getting into the the planning of this game, what is the latest from what you're hearing on whether or not any of these guys might be able to play Saturday night? Well, I this is a very unique game to your point, and you know the Cowboys, you know their their coaching staff in terms of Mike McCarthy and their players all came out in the immediate aftermath of last week's loss to the Arizona Cardinals. You know, we're going to play. We plan to play, and and I think they were a little bit emotional, a little bit um, upset about having lost Arizona. And I think that, you know, the emotions have subsided and faded and they might realize, you know, that, that this is, you know, this presents their, their highest likelihood of victory or highest, highest probability of victory, at least uh, next week against whoever they ultimately draw in the wild card round. And I mean, you're right. You know, I, I think if we're both transparent about it, it seems that, 
you know, different NFL teams are, I wouldn't say, you know, exploiting the loopholes with the COVID protocols, but, but certainly using them to their advantage, just in the sense that, you know, if, if you're tested or if you're positive, you won't be tested for 90 days, which obviously covers, um, you know, a hopeful run through the Super Bowl. And so I don't think it's a coincidence that yeah. it's, it's Micah Parsons and Tyron Smith, two of the, the more important Cowboys. And so, you know, and I think even before the Tyron and Anthony Brown news, because that dropped on Thursday, Micah was entered the COVID protocol on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. You, you could still make an argument, one that I would disagree with for, for playing Dak and Amari or whatever. But with Tyron out, I don't know how you, you really kind of feel peace with that. And I would feel differently if the Cowboys were playing the Giants or Washington, whose season was completely over and, and maybe was going to go play for pride. But because you are playing a Philly team who's in a really similar situation, I, you know, everybody talked about whether the Chargers and Raiders should just take a bunch of knees to end that game. Like, this should be the game where that happens. Nobody needs to do anything, you know, serious here and, and risk anything for the wild card weekend. Yeah, I mean, I've been seeing some Dallas reporters saying that, given the way they played against Arizona last week, that it's more important that the Cowboys play as many of their starters as they can in order to kind of get that the bad taste out of their mouths and, and to get the offense playing well against an Eagles team that probably will be resting a, a lot of their starters on, on defense. But again, that was before Ty, the Tyron Smith and Anthony Brown news came down here on Thursday afternoon. So so maybe that changes the calculus a little bit. But is there any argument? Is there Does that make any sense to, to get your guys on the field, maybe even just for a half of football, in order to kind of get some of the taste out of their mouths of the loss to Arizona last week? I mean, it makes sense in, in the way that, you know, like, Maybe if we do a Batman movie with Robert Pattinson, it'll be good. You know, like it makes sense. Like it, it exists in the world of possibilities. Um, but, you know, I just feel like I, I, I mean, you know, I mean, I like generally I feel like, you know, tempting fate like that is a bad idea, let, let alone the Cowboys who are coming off of a game where Michael Gallup tore his ACL, catching a touchdown. I mean, right. you know, and so, I, I mean, if they ever needed a reminder at how precious life in the NFL is, it, it certainly hit them in the face last week. And then I think on top of that, you know, okay, fine. You know, I can understand, you know, that that the most optimistic Cowboys fan in this world wants them to go out and and drop 50 on the Eagles in the first half and and feel great. Well, what if, I mean, what if you assign a level of priority and importance to this and you go out and you suck? Like, what if you're bad? Like, do you, do you have negative momentum? You know, like, because people are only, you know, picking and choosing the most positive result and assigning that to be the most logical outcome. And, and mm-hmm. I just don't think that's, that's wise. I mean, and even if, the, you know, even if Trayvon Diggs broke the single-season interception record by going out and playing, like, are we really feeling great because he picked off Gardner Minshew? Like, there, there's a level of, of reason that, that I feel like is absent, and that therefore makes it not worth it. That's why, again, if it was New York or Washington, it would be a little bit different. But, but, but because of the ultra-uniqueness, I don't think it's worth much in this particular case. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles have a couple of those things, too. I think Jason Kelsey has something like, uh, I don't know, he's got some kind of consecutive game streak uh, going that a lot of people think he might play just to kind of extend that. And uh, Devontae Smith is, I think, like 36 yards away from setting the Eagles' rookie receiving record from Deshaun Jackson. I mean, it's kind of an obscure franchise-only you know, record to break there. But, I mean, obviously, he probably would like to break it. And so, I- I'm... I don't think I would hate seeing those two guys play a quarter to, tr- to to get those marks, and if they don't get them, get them out of there. But I, I think if there, if Jalen Hurts with his ankle issues, he's been limited in practice, although he looks pretty good now. But if he's on the field for one offensive snap, barring like 
Gardner Minshew starting and getting, you know, him tearing his ACL and then the third string tearing his ACL and you have to use Jalen Hurts. Barring something crazy like that, it doesn't make any sense to me to put Jalen Hurts out on the field. Same with Dak Prescott. I, I don't just, I don't see any way you put either of these guys who have battled some injuries this year on the field in a game that really it doesn't matter if the Cowboys move up or down a spot in the playoffs, just like the Eagles, right? It, they don't, it doesn't really matter if they're the three seed or the four seed. I mean, I suppose what, what, you know, uh, a little bit of a more passionate Cowboys. I'm uh, not to say I'm not passionate, but a more passionately yeah. uh, positioned Cowboys. Get passionate Cowboys already, are. RJ. Jeez, R- Louise. Uh, uh, right. Um, some people would say, you know, what if what if the NFC title game is the three seed versus the four seed, right? Like then then you could host sure. that game, right? Like that, sure. that. And sure, that like you can if and end this, you know, a million different ways. But I I just think you know there there's no like a hundred percent correct answer. I, I will surrender to that logic. But I'm I'm very comfortable siding on this side of the argument, particularly when. You know, and, and this, by the way, came on the heels of every, you know, super passionate Cowboys fan complaining that, that officials were why the Cowboys lost Arizona, that the NFL is rigged against their favorite team. And, you know, the NFL gave both Dallas and Philly an enormous gift by, by putting this game on Saturday because, you know, I realize there's one permutation where they can play one another in the wild card round, but it's far more likely than not that they'll have different opponents next weekend. And so they each yeah. now have a day on whoever they're going to play. So why why would you... Why would you thumb your nose at that? That just that actually seems dumb and irresponsible to me. Yeah, and if you get that, you know, you, your argument about it, the three seed versus the four seed hosting an NFC title game, well, if you don't have Dak Prescott, you're not getting to the NFC title game. Exactly. You know, if you, so <laughs> there's that There's that too. So, I mean, normally we would kind of go over some matchups here, but, I mean, it's, it seems pretty... It seems pretty clear. We don't even really know who's going to play, and it seems pretty ridiculous to try and do positional matchups on backups and third stringers and stuff like that. So let me ask you then, looking ahead to the playoffs just a little bit, as a Cowboys fan, who do you most, who would you most want to see on Wild Card Weekend? Of all the teams they could play, what, what's the best matchup for Dallas? John, you're a company man because I have something in our queue uh, exactly uh, on this topic at blogontheboys.com. Love I love it. encourage people to, to check out. Um, I mean... I would be lying if I said that I did not partly want to see the Eagles. And I do say this with total respect. I think they're the least qualified team to get here just because like they've, they're a little bit running on fumes and like, Mm -hmm. you know, I I could see them having an early exit, but definitely a a prosperous season nonetheless, kind of, you know, uh, a really nice surprise, obviously going to the playoffs. If the 49ers are starting Jimmy Garoppolo, then that's who I really want. I mean, and there's, there's one world where that does happen where the Cowboys are the three seed actually. But most outcomes obviously have the Cowboys hosting the loser of the NFC West between Arizona and L.A. And I, I think I would prefer Arizona just because I think at their peaks, L.A. is better than Arizona. And yeah. I, I agree with, with BLG a lot in that Sean McVay is a bit of a coward. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he is still in the overall a better coach than Cliff Kingsbury. And so while I'm certainly more afraid of, of Kyler Murray than I am Matthew Stafford, I'd still just trust Cliff to kind of ruin that. And so, and, and it would be cool revenge if, if I'm allowing myself to be passionate now um, for losing to the Cardinals uh, last week. And they would, I don't know if you've heard, but Kyler Murray's won like a thousand games at AT&T Stadium between high school and college. So it would be, it would be nice to put an end to that. Uh, Cardinals are definitely my, my ideal candidate. And I would love more than anything for one of the wild cards to win on the other side and go to Lambeau Field the next week. I get your point about the Eagles. They're a very one-dimensional offense, and and the defense, while they haven't given up a lot of points this year, haven't really played anybody here in the second half of the season who can put points up on the board. But they have changed things around a little bit. I'm I'm very interested to see how the Eagles fare against a good team with a good quarterback since they haven't played one 
in seemingly two and a half, three months. So <laughs> that that's kind of the, the big challenge for the Eagles. But yeah, they are they are kind of one dimensional. I will say that, you know, if it, depending on who else gets in, you know, I mean, I guess you could see Minnesota get in. You could see if somebody like New Orleans gets in, obviously New Orleans is the team you want to play uh, with. I don't even know what I guess it would would it be Trevor Simeon? Would it would it be Taysom Hill at this point? I mean, we could talk about that as we get ready for for, for Wild Card Weekend. But um, I, I think here the, the other thing too about uh, about the Cowboys and and as they enter the playoffs here is that the offense is not rolling the way it was early in the season. Um, you know, at the beginning of the season, the offense was really carrying the team, and then it was the defense carrying the team. And I know there's a lot of people who are not happy with the way the offense is is going right now. Um, and the stat I saw was something that I thought was interesting. The, the team has scored the most points in the NFL, 479 points this year, but nearly a quarter of those points have come from 33 forced turnovers, which is tied for first in the league. So is that a product of a lot of short fields? Has Dallas's offense really been benefiting from Trayvon Diggs and, and all of those turnovers? And I guess the question is, is that sustainable moving forward? You know, um, as, as my dog in the background, I don't know how, how hearable he is. His name is Can't Bear. Uh, well, you know, the Eagles' <laughs> last you know, postseason victory was over the Bears, so he's, you know, he's a little jaded uh, whenever sure. I talk to you guys. But, um, I mean, I don't think it's sustainable. But anytime you know, you, you try to have this conversation with a Cowboys fan, it's, well, look at the 85 Bears. Look at, you know, whatever. Like, there is an example for everything. And mm-hmm. it's, it's disappointing. I mean, you know, we used to, as Cowboys fans, talk about if this defense is, is just average, you know, this is this is a really great football team, but obviously, you know, this, the defense has been more than average, and the Cowboys' offense has just kind of been along for the ride. The Cowboys mm-hmm. went undefeated in December, um, but you know, kind of like Philly played some lower quality teams. They they beat Taysom Hill, they beat Washington twice, and the Giants with Mike Glennon, not even Daniel Jones. And so, in those games, three of those games, the defense scored. At one point in against New Orleans, the Cowboys were up. That they won that game twenty-seven to twenty. And the offense, or excuse me, the defense got interceptions on back-to-back series to, to put the offense in a position to kind of close the game out. They went three and out in both of the, their following possessions. And so, that, I mean, I, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's tough because I would love more than anything for the Cowboys to have success and for Dak Prescott to have success and, and give us a big reason to kind of, you know, get a bunch of retweets and stuff on Twitter. But th- there's, you know, there's no doubt right now that what they did to Washington two weeks ago on Sunday Night Football is the outlier in terms of everything post Dak Prescott's calf injury. And so their offensive line is shaky. Obviously, right now, Tyron is is on the COVID list, but they're very hard to trust on offense. I think the defense can hang. I mean, I don't know that they can, you know, completely swarm every single quarterback they play like they have at different points this season, but but they can do enough. And it's, you know, and I understand wanting to see the offense have success and, and feel like they can do it again in the playoffs, but you're, you're not going to learn anything in, in one half against, you know, Philly's, you know, JV squad that you didn't learn through the first 16 games already this year. Which is the better unit right now? Is it the offense or the defense? I think it's the defense. And I, I think the best player on their team is Micah Parsons. I mean, yeah. and I, I think the second best player on their team is probably Randy Gregory. Is, uh, is Parsons, I mean, I know he's going to win defensive rookie of the year. Is he the defensive player of the year? Or, or could that be Trayvon Diggs? I don't think it's Trayvon. I mean, you know, Cowboys Twitter has a huge war going on against Pro Football Focus um, in terms of their evaluation against Trayvon. And I don't have that something I'm not passionate about. But I think Trayvon's a, a really great corner um, who I would much rather have than not. But he, he does get beat at, at, at times. And that's that's kind of just part of his game. You kind of live and die by, by that mode of his. But Parsons is a far more impactful, influential player. 
I'd say his top contenders or, or top, you know, competitors for defensive player of the year are Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, and, and maybe Aaron Donald. But I do think there's a little bit of fatigue with Aaron Donald because these are such narrative-driven awards. And if, yeah. this, if the Steelers don't make the playoffs, I don't know how you give it to TJ Watt unless he breaks the sack record. And obviously mm-hmm. that, that would go a long way. Uh, but, in, you know, on the subject of narratives, we generally don't see players win multiple awards. I mean, like, whatever quarterback wins MVP doesn't win Offensive Player of the Year. And so I have a hard time seeing the voters giving Parsons both Defensive Rookie of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year. I could see them saying he'll get the second, you know, at some point down the road. For now, let's give it a watt, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that, they just kind of put things in neat boxes like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, for, for being the guy that the Cowboys didn't really want, he has put in quite a tremendous season. I know you've talked a little bit about Jalen Hurts on the mixtape with, with BLG, and uh, but for, for anybody who hasn't been listening to the mixtape, you should, uh, frankly, folks. But um, give me your thoughts on Jalen Hurts' first full season as an NFL quarterback. What, what are you... Where do you come down on him as far as as an NFL quarterback right now after I mean, having a season and four starts under his belt? So I think he is a viable starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, I think, and this would upset BLG, that he is not maybe at his peak as good as, say, Kirk Cousins. But... Um, Whoa, for, for, yeah, but, those, are, those are fighting words, but, yes. But... Uh, I think that's a good thing because if you if you are at least as good as Kirk Cousins, you, that the team is trapped by that, you know, because because they're just good enough to tease you and just good enough to keep you kind of interested and kind of hanging around. And I think Jalen not hitting that that floor, so to speak, has sort of confirmed. And, and I know he has a lot of stands, but and, and I know that you have, have written some in, incredible things about all levels of analysis around Jalen this season, but. I, I think he's he's been good enough to kind of give you this season of development and introspection, but not good enough that you are sold that he is the guy for the future. And I think entering this offseason where you have three first round draft picks, I think that that's the ideal place to be. If I, I know that sounded like an insult uh, towards Salem, but I really didn't mean it in a complimentary way. <laughs> no, that's fine. I I think if there was a true, like a blue chip quarterback in the draft this year that the Eagles could package those picks to go get, then I could see making a change. But to me, I don't think that there's anybody in the draft that's better than Jalen Hurts than Jalen Hurts is or who will become better than what Jalen Hurts is right now. And I, I get I get a little funny when I think about trading a bunch of first rounders for a guy like Russell Wilson or Deshaun Deshaun Watson or something like that. So for me, I think he's the guy in twenty twenty two and then I'm ready to reevaluate. Um but I do think the one thing they do have going for them as you compared him to, to Kirk Cousins, and I understand the, the the way in which you were comparing him, the the Vikings are paying Kirk Cousins an unbelievable amount right. of guaranteed money. So the Eagles can move on from Jalen Hurts quite easily if and when they want to. They have the luxury of still having some flexibility there. The other thing, too, is some of the some of the off-field emotional leadership that totally. you see from Jalen Hurts that I don't think Kirk Cousins has. You know what I mean? Like, we've we've talked about it before. You know, I, I agree with BLG that I do think Kirk Cousins kind of shrinks in the big moments. Jalen Hurts has so far seemed to play well or at least not fold in the big moments. He's not great every game, and he's definitely got flaws. But, you know, I think I'm very, very interested. Of all the players in the NFL, he might be one of the players I'm most interested to see start an NFL game at quarterback this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's, like, again, being blunt, the Eagles are not winning the Super Bowl this year. And I know, no, you know, not. right. Not. But, no. I mean, th- this this has long been about 
I, I don't even know that you could call it rebuilding. It's long been about assessing and diagnosing and, you know, putting together a plan given the, the draft capital that the Eagles have. And it, yeah. it's hard to be the quarterback for that. And so you're right. Jalen, I think, has, has been that guy. He's, he's given, you know, given you some great moments, given you some happy holiday times, given you a playoff berth. You know, he's, he's got everybody in great spirits. And he's been this awesome leader. He's embraced the city. He's embraced the mantra. He's embraced it all. Like, it, this, this process can be very painful and, you know, unfortunate for most NFL fan bases. And so, but I, I do think he has a ceiling as far as being that guy. And, and maybe this, this process does extend into the beginnings of 2023, but, but that's, that's what it always was supposed to do, right? And so yeah. I think the good quality, as rude as it sounds, is that he hasn't fooled you into thinking he's more. He's allowed you to understand mm -hmm. exactly who he is so that yeah. you're not emotionally compromised by anything. <laughs> that's a really good way of putting it. For sure, and uh, his play has enabled them to make the playoffs while still having 30% of their salary cap being dead money. I mean, they're, right. they're doing all this in a year in which they're still paying Carson Wentz 30-some million dollars, which is really amazing. So, um, All right, well, as we look forward to, to Saturday night, RJ, I know we don't know who's going to play. Uh, every Both teams say that they are still considering playing their starters. I, I think as we talk on Thursday afternoon, that's just a lot of talk. Um, obviously, there's a lot of players on the COVID list. We don't know. We know Micah Parsons is not going to play. We, we found that out on Thursday. He's not traveling with the team. But as far as everybody else, it's still kind of up in the air. Seems like most of the folks on the COVID list won't be playing. And, of course, we're recording this before Friday rolls around, so more people might get put on the COVID list between now and kickoff on Saturday night. Given all that stuff, given all the uncertainty as to who's going to play and for how long, how do you th see things shaking out on Saturday night? And do you feel confident enough to give any kind of guess as to who's going to win this thing? I feel confident that the Cowboys feel more desperate than the Eagles, despite the fact that they um, have, have won the division, obviously, and are going to host a playoff game next week. But, but I do think they're chasing a little bit of what happened last week. And so I think they really want to win and put themselves in a position to, you know, McCarthy will say, like, let the chips fall where they may on Sunday. If, if San Francisco can upset the Rams or if Seattle can upset the Cardinals or if Carolina can somehow upset the Bucks. But so I, I think the Cowboys care more about winning. And so I think that will ultimately win out. Um, I think that Philly's, you know, far more locked into their position than Dallas. And I wish Dallas was more locked in, to be honest, because I would rather them completely wave the white flag. I just don't think they will. I'll tell you what's going to happen is I, I think the Eagles are not going to do much. I think both teams are going to run. I think the Eagles are going to run a lot of vanilla stuff, and I think right. the Cowboys could win this thing in a runaway. And even though Eagles fans logically in their heads know it's best to punt this game, we don't need this game, losing badly to the Cowboys at home, even if you're starting Gardner Minshew and playing a bunch of backups, is still going to get the, the sports talk radio lines pretty angry on Saturday night into into Sunday morning. And so I'm just hoping Eagles fans understand this is what we say we want. Most Eagles fans don't want the Eagles to play their starters. So if it's 35 to 10, everybody relax and everybody take a breath. That's that, from, you know. Hey, that's make your decision when you're not emotionally compromised. That's that's, that's right. That's how I live life. And, you know, because then you, you will become emotionally compromised. Trust yourself. That That's kind of how you need to roll. Words to live by. That's why you should be following RJ Ochoa on Twitter at RJ Ochoa. And that's why, you, listen, check out bloggingtheboys.com for some great content over there. You want to keep your eye on the enemy. And that, of course, is Blogging the Boys, the Cowboys SB Nation site. Read everything RJ and his friends over there have to say about the Cowpokes as they get ready to come into Philadelphia on Saturday night. RJ, always a pleasure to talk to you, buddy. Thanks for coming back on Eye on the Enemy. John, anytime. I hope you guys lose by 100 points in the playoffs, but wish you and your family and everybody else's family health, wealth, and happiness in 2022. I've
I feel the same way, Brent. <laughs> All right, so let me give you my my pick for this game, and I'm going to pick the Dallas Cowboys simply because it does seem as though they are more willing to play their starters for longer. I think if both team were playing, both teams were playing their starters, I think the Eagles would win this game. I think playing at home in Philadelphia, get Eagles getting a little bit of revenge for losing in Dallas earlier in the season. I think I, I think this is a game the Eagles would probably pull off. Um, it would be a close game, but, but simply because of the, of Dallas's offensive struggles, I, I think uh, you know I would I think Jonathan Gannon's defense might have been able to hem them in a little bit. They seem to they they seem when they're playing their starters, they they seem to be having a little bit of a rocky time. And I wonder how the Dallas defense would handle the Eagles running game. So I would have picked the Eagles if these two teams were at full strength. But given all of the COVID situations going on, given the fact that both of these teams may not play their starters much, I think the Cowboys will, I think there's a little bit more incentive, like RJ was saying, for the Cowboys to maybe show up for this game a little bit more than the Eagles. I just don't, I certainly don't think Jalen Hurts should see the field at all. I don't think... I would keep as many of the top offensive line guys off the field as much as possible. I wouldn't play Fletcher Cox or Javon Hargrave all that much. Let the rookies and the second rounders and the, and the I mean, the, not the second rounders, let the rookies and the second stringers and the third stringers get their playing time in. This really should be kind of a, a glorified preseason game. It may not be all that much fun to watch. And listen, Eagles fans listening, like I just mentioned to RJ, if you're one of those folks like me who doesn't think they should play the starters, then you've got to be willing to swallow a 35 to 10 loss. All right, if you're calling in to sports radio this weekend, mad because the Eagles got beaten by three touchdowns against the Dallas Cowboys, the score this weekend, it just doesn't matter. Don't read anything into it. The Eagles emotionally are not going to be up for this game like they ordinarily would in Eagles-Dallas game. So if they're if this if the Eagles get blown out, it's not a portent of things to come necessarily. It's nothing to get excited about. It's nothing to wring your hands about. This game on Saturday night, it just frankly, folks, it just doesn't matter. So I'll give you a prediction. I'll say, I'll, I'll say, Dallas twenty three, Eagles seventeen. You know, I'm just throwing something out there. I don't have any confidence in that. If you're a wagering person and you're putting money on this game, seek professional help. You should be staying away from this game at all po- if, if, if at all possible. There, there should be there, there's so much uncertainty around this game. If you're putting money on this game, you've got you've got issues. Stay away from this one. Okay, you're asking to lose money. All right, it's just this. I have no confidence in any score in any prediction in this game. I'll just go on the record as saying I think Dallas wins 23-17. But again, no confidence whatsoever because we just don't know who's going to play, and it's kind of important to know which players are going to play in a football game in which you're going to you know put money down on. And again, which I don't think you should do with this football game. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks once again to RJ Ochoa for joining me on the podcast. As we get ready for the playoffs and this game on Saturday night, continue to check out the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Leave a rating and a review here for Eye on the Enemy and all the other shows we have going on here on the podcast feed. And don't forget to check out BleedingGreenNation.com each and every day for the latest news, rumors, and notes concerning the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll be there for you every step of the way. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy. Here's the truth about AI. 
AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.